The South Carolina Gamecocks have had a lot of success on the recruiting trail over the past 17 months, and that's leading to an obvious change in both recruiting strategy and also with their roster. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and also a staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you all so much for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch here today. We are free and available both wherever you get your audio podcast daily and also on YouTube. South Carolina has been one of the best teams, not just in the SEC, but also in the entire country when it has come to high school football recruiting over the past year and a half or so. South Carolina obviously landed the 16th best recruiting class in the country in the 2023 cycle, and right now are currently on pace to land potentially a top 10 class. And This current rate of success in the 2024 class is evidence that Shane Beamer and his staff are taking an important step forward in building this program. Now, I saw an interesting tweet yesterday from On3 Sports, and the tweet specifically was going over the highest blue chip ratios Four college football programs so far in the 2024 class. Blue chip ratios mean basically how many of your commits are either four or five stars. And I'm not going to read all of these off, but I'll list off the top five real quick. At number five is the Auburn Tigers with an 80% blue chip percentage. Number four is Ohio State with an 85% blue chip percentage. Number three is the Florida Gators with an 88% blue chip percentage. Number two is South Carolina with an 89% blue chip percentage. And then at number one is Alabama with a ridiculous 100% blue chip ratio for their class. Not a real shock there for Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide, but obviously you see how well South Carolina is doing compared to their competition. And here's the thing. If we redid that list and rank these schools based on the programs that have nine commits or more in their class right now, with the Gamecocks having nine so far on their end, the Gamecocks would rank number one in terms of their blue chip percentage. And if this current ratio stays where it's at, or at least somewhere close to it, this will likely be the second straight recruiting cycle in which 50% or more of the high school signees are blue chip prospects for Shane Beamer and his staff. Now, here is the prevailing question when thinking about all of the success on the recruiting front. What is going to happen with South Carolina's football program if they continue to recruit at this rate? Well, there's a couple of things that are going to take place. First of all, South Carolina is going to start outpacing classes that were brought in just two to three years ago. I'm going to try to say this without sounding harsh, but for South Carolina right now, 
you need to be hoping that you're bringing in so much talent with the 2023 class, this 2024 class, and the next couple of classes that guys from the classes before Shane Beer and the staff really got their feet dug into the ground here in Columbia are likely having to go elsewhere in order to play because that means you are elevating this roster. Again, if South Carolina wants to compete for championships in the future, you got to have talent. The numbers don't lie. History tells you that you just have to have a certain amount of blue chip players on your team to consistently compete and also win titles. That's what Shampier and his staff are trying to do. And here's the thing. This is already starting to happen here at South Carolina. The 2021 class only had 11 high school signees. Only seven of those guys remain. The 2022 class had 22 high school signees. And three guys have already left the program from that group. And there'll likely be a couple of more potentially after the 2023 season. Now, admittedly, some of the guys that I'm referring to here that have left the program, they left because they got in trouble. But the majority of these players that I'm referencing here left because they were supplanted on the depth chart by just honestly more talented prospects or guys that had higher ceilings. And they saw the writing on the wall that getting playing time here was going to be extremely difficult. And so they had to look elsewhere. Here is what's also going to happen if South Carolina continues to recruit at the rate that they're doing so right now. They'll no longer have to just take kids just to fill in spots for their recruiting classes. Shane Beamer and every other coach in major college football, when they have these recruiting boards in their coaching meeting rooms, they all have a certain number of players at each position that they want to take with each and every cycle. You might want to get one quarterback and three wide receivers on offense. On defense, you might want to get maybe five total defensive linemen along with four defensive backs. It can all vary, of course, depending on your situation and what else is going on with your program. But the point is that for most programs, admittedly, they have to take kids sometimes Maybe not because they really truthfully wanted them, but more so because they needed to get to that number that they had for a particular spot. Programs like Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State, they're not having to do that because they are stacking up talent at every single position on the roster. Now, Shane Beamer and his staff are currently in the process of doing this. They've already flipped multiple positions, and at this point, you could probably count on one hand how many positions are left where there's still a little bit to be desired in terms of the overall talent of the position group. So, because of that, Shane Beamer and his staff now are able to be more selective, and that comes down to both offers and also who they decide to target. And here's the other thing that we do have to admit here. The transfer portal has made it a lot easier to essentially look at certain high school kids that would be reaches that years ago you would have had no choice but to take those kids unless you found a JUCO product at the last minute. Now you could go in the transfer portal, get a kid that's been at the college ranks for at least a season or two, and possibly get someone 
that is experienced, that has been around the block a couple times, that you're not going to have to pour as much resources into in terms of developing them maybe both on and off the field. So here's my final point with all of this. South Carolina has already begun the process of outpacing what they did just two to three recruiting cycles ago. And they are already in the process of no longer, again, having to just take kids just to fill in slots for their recruiting class. And with the way this 2024 class is going right now and where it could end up in December and this next February, this is only going to be accelerated over the next eight to nine months, especially if Shane Beamer and this football program once again exceed the national expectations on the football field this upcoming fall. It could lead to them landing guys like five-star edge rusher Dylan Stewart, maybe a couple wide receivers like Jonathan Paler, maybe a Parker Livingston, a Keelan Adams, and also running backs like a Daniel Hill and potentially maybe a Braylon Russell out of Arkansas and some other guys on their board. So South Carolina, they are taking the next step in terms of their recruiting operations. They are already elevating themselves into a very, very small and prestigious group in terms of college football programs who can afford to be selective and teams that when they offer certain kids, it is noted by everyone else who is going to be going after that same prospect. So Shane Beamer and his staff needs to say they're doing a fantastic job on the recruiting trail, and they have a real chance to elevate their reputation even further throughout the rest of this current cycle. Now, speaking of recruiting, South Carolina, you would think at this point is probably done in terms of recruiting offensive linemen, right? Well, if you thought that, then you're going to have to revisit that because the Gamecocks are in pursuit of another offensive lineman, this time from the JUCO ranks. And we'll dive into who that lineman is in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Now, when it comes to trying to consume a lot of protein, because maybe right now you've been hitting the gym really hard lately and you decide that you want to try to bulk up. You want to put on some muscle, but maybe you feel like that you don't want to have to do all these meal replacement protein shakes. These shakes that sometimes include up to 250 to maybe even 300 to 400 calories by itself. You just want to find little ways to get more protein into your diet. If you're in that situation, Built Bar is the perfect protein bar for you. Not only is it covered in 100% real chocolate, have a multitude of different flavors, but it's also only 130 calories, but still packs 17 grams of protein with just 4 grams of sugar. You can find Built Bars today at Built.com or at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. If you go to Walmart, you'll find Built Bars in the pharmacy section where you grab a 4-bar box. And at Sam's Club, you can buy them in bulk and grab a 13-bar box with select flavors. I promise you, you're going to thank me later because Built is where Tasty is the new healthy. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. 
thank you to all of you every day who make the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your daily choice for South Carolina Gamecocks sports coverage. For those of you who are curious about South Carolina's 2023 opponents and where their teams currently stand, I plan to do some interviews in the very near future with some of my Locked On colleagues to catch up on both some SEC teams and also a couple of important non-conference teams as well. You're not going to want to miss that, so be on the lookout for that, likely starting up this next week. But let's get back to recruiting for Shane Beamer and South Carolina's football program. As Beamer and the staff might not be done when it comes to offensive line recruiting. And this time, they're not going via the transfer portal route, but now they seem to be dipping their feet into the junior college ranks. As junior college offensive tackle Kevin Kalanji ended up announcing his top three on Monday on Twitter. And here's the thing, hadn't heard a word about this guy up until yesterday afternoon, but his top three consist of South Carolina, Houston, and Maryland. Now, Kevin is originally from Silver Spring, Maryland, and currently goes to Coffeyville Community College in Kansas. So, Kevin obviously could maybe decide to go back home to Maryland, but it seems like that he's also willing to go elsewhere, considering the fact that he is looking at Houston and South Carolina. So, what kind of player are the Gamecocks looking at here with Kevin Kalanji? Well, Kevin is an offensive lineman that mainly played right tackle this past season for Coffeyville Community College. Now, he's got pretty good hand placement in terms of sticking his hands right in the chest of the opposing defender. He does a really good job of running his feet throughout the majority of each and every single play. And the other thing is, he seems to really thrive when he is a run blocker that is moving downhill. That seems to be where he excels the most throughout a football game. Now, in terms of what his overall skill set is, Kevin seems like he will be a good fit at right tackle at the collegiate level. And obviously, in the case of South Carolina's roster right now, Kalanji would bring more competition alongside Tyshawn Watermaker and Kaysen Henry and maybe, say, a Jackson Hughes from Charlotte if Lonnie Teasley and South Carolina's coaching staff decides that that's where he is best suited. But admittedly, I don't quite know what Kevin Kalanji is going to add that South Carolina doesn't already have at that right tackle position because in terms of run blocking, Tyshawn Watermaker mainly excels at run blocking, and the same, I believe, goes for Kaysen Henry. Now, admittedly, the question mark at that position is more so a question of pass protection. Watermaker has had his struggles with consistency in that aspect, and with Kaysen Henry, I think that he could be a good pass protector, but the problem with that is we haven't seen Kaysen Henry in a live football game at that right tackle position, especially against SEC-level defenders. So we don't know what he could offer in terms of that facet of his game. So Kalanji, he might have a higher ceiling in pass protection compared to both of those guys. And maybe that's why he's being recruited. And again, we've talked about this next point on this show now multiple times. Spencer Rattler is going to throw the football all over the yard in the 2023 season. The offensive line situation is not exactly the greatest the running back situation, again, 
you could say that could be better as well. The wide receiver room is pretty top-heavy in terms of experience and talent. Doesn't have a whole lot of depth behind those first three or four guys. So my point is, you need to have a lot of things go your way if you're Dow Loggins and this Gamecock offense this upcoming fall. So you'll take anybody at this point that you think can give yourself a little bit of an extra oomph at a certain position. And maybe that's what they see with Kalanji. I felt like that he could have been a little bit quicker in terms of getting back into pass protection. But admittedly, he did also wear a knee brace on his right knee this past fall. So maybe he was recovering from a pretty serious knee injury. And that's why maybe his lateral quickness and his speed in terms of getting back in pass protection was not as maybe quick as his downhill movement. So overall, again, I think Kalanji could be solid depth that would immediately get implanted into the 2D potentially here. But again, I just don't know what all he could offer that Wanamaker and Henry don't already possess. Nonetheless, I still think it's a good sign that Shaver and the staff are still trying to go after guys on the offensive line that could possibly help out this team in some form or fashion in 2023. You definitely cannot say that they have a lack of effort in terms of that regard. So we'll see how Kevin Kalanji's recruitment unfolds throughout the rest of the way. Again, I didn't even know who he was until yesterday when I happened to go over his post regarding his top three. So I don't know when he could commit, but... You have to expect that he's not going to wait a whole lot longer as summer workout programs are going to be starting up within the next few days or so at pretty much every single college football program in the country. So, who knows? South Carolina could be adding another offensive lineman to the mix in the next couple of weeks. Alrighty, now let's switch gears from South Carolina's football team over to the baseball diamond as the Gamecocks have now found out both what their national seed is and which teams are going to be in their regional for the NCAA baseball tournament. So it was announced on Monday afternoon, a little bit after lunchtime, that South Carolina is the number 15 national seed. And the teams that are going to be in their regional are Campbell, NC State, and Central Connecticut State. Now, I know that a lot of people nationally, and maybe even some people regionally, and possibly even some Gamecock fans, are a little bit worried about the regional South Carolina got because on the face of it, Campbell, NC State, and Central Connecticut seems to be a pretty strong draw here. In my overall opinion, though, I still think that South Carolina shapes up well against each and every one of these teams. Let's start off with the Campbell Camels. They are going to be the biggest storyline coming into this regional outside of the fact that South Carolina managed to be a regional host because the storyline here is South Carolina, if they stole any team's possible regional host bid for this postseason, then it was probably Campbell. Campbell, admittedly, they were a very good team this year. They won 40 plus games. I believe they had nine wins over quad one opponents. And they were one of the best mid-major teams in all of college baseball throughout the majority of the season. They did not get off to, say, a bad start and then just go on an absolute tear to finish out the season to storm their way to the top of the Big South. No, 
Campbell, they've been a decent team all year. They have been very consistent in that regard. Now, a lot of people are going to sit here and say, well, Campbell's sure going to be fired up for this regional because they're going to be all ticked off that they did not get named a regional host. So South Carolina is going to have to be... Let me just say this regarding the emotional aspect of this series. If this was football where physicality and one-on-one matchups were coming into play on every single play or sequence throughout the contest, that would be one thing. This is baseball. Having emotion when playing baseball and having emotion when, say, playing basketball or football, contact sports, it is not an apples-to-apples comparison here. Campbell is not just going to waltz through this regional like some people are going to act nationally just because they're all upset that they were not a regional host. But for South Carolina, look, you have been here before. You don't have as many of the players from the team that was in the regionals two years ago, but you still got some guys from that squad that are here on this year's team, plus a bunch of really talented players in your batting lineup in the field, and also in your pitching staff. So, utilize anything to give you a little bit of extra juice because of what all the team has been through for the past month. My point on Campbell, look, they're not a bad team, but some people need to be very careful acting like Campbell's just going to walk on into Founders Park and come out of here the winner of this regional. Now, in terms of NC State and Central Connecticut, I'm not even going to talk about Central Connecticut because I'm going to be honest with y'all. I already looked at some stats for all these teams, and if you're interested in looking at those stats even further, go check out my recent article on Gamecocks Digest where you will be able to find all those numbers. But Central Connecticut, to put it bluntly, they do not have a very good, well-rounded team. They played four games against quad one opponents all season, and they lost each and every one of those games. They gave an average of 13.5 runs per game in all those contests. I'm not worried about Central Connecticut if I'm South Carolina. Now, NC State... In my opinion, they're the team you need to worry about in this regional. NC State, in terms of pitching, fielding, and hitting, not just hitting like Campbell, but every facet of the game, they are the most well-rounded team in this regional outside of South Carolina. That's the team you need to worry about. If you're South Carolina, honestly, I'm willing to make the bold take here that I think that you wouldn't mind facing Campbell on a Saturday, as long as you take care of business against Central Connecticut. But if you end up facing NC State and say winner's bracket matchup, then that is where you could run into some trouble. And that will lead into some interesting personnel decisions for Mark Kingston. Speaking of personnel, Mark Kingston did update the injury front on Monday afternoon after the selection show concluded. And he said that Braylon Wimmer, he's going to be back in the field later this week at shortstop. So they're going to have one of their guys fully back in the fold now. That will lead to an interesting debate over, well, who do you take out of the field? Do you take out Braswell? Do you take out Lee Croy? Or do you take out Tippett? Tippett has been a lot better at the plate recently. Lee Croy has been productive on some days and on other days where he's been a little quiet. Maybe he's still dealing with that hamstring issue. Braswell. Tremendous fielder. You probably don't want to take him out of the lineup just because of that. 
but you can't play all those guys. And here's the other thing. Carson Hornung, you probably want him to DH. So what exactly do you do here? Thankfully, I don't have to come up with that decision, neither do all the fans. Mark Kingston and his staff will have to figure out what the best mixture is for all those guys. What's your starting rotation going to look like? He mentioned that Will Sanders likely is going to be coming out of the bullpen for the regionals. So, James Hicks, Jack Mahoney, Eli Jones, you're probably looking at those three guys being the main starters once again. Cole Messina, great news on this front. He did not have any symptoms on Sunday and was there with the team at the selection show on Monday. Typically, when you have a concussion, you try to stay away from bright lights and any loud noises, essentially. Um, because it can essentially, I guess, reignite the symptoms of your concussion. Colbacino, though, was with the team all Monday. Great sign if you're a South Carolina fan. He said more than likely, Colbacino will be good to go this weekend. That is huge for the Gamecocks. He's the heart and soul of this team. They need number 19 out there. Obviously, again, you don't want to mess with a head injury. But if he is indeed good to go, you want him out there. Game 1, Game 2, Game 3, Game 4, however many games it takes. So here's my overall point. If I am South Carolina's baseball team, while I'm not going to overlook the majority of these teams in this regional, I'm not overly concerned necessarily. Again, Campbell, the numbers basically tell us that Campbell is all about offense, but their pitching lacks and their fielding is lacking compared to the rest of this group. And if you're going to make it to the Super Regionals of the College World Series, you can't just mash your way all the way to Omaha. You've got to be a well-rounded team. I don't think Campbell is a good enough well-rounded team. Not that they're not good, but I don't think they've got all the ingredients there. I think NC State is your biggest potential nightmare here out of this group. Central Connecticut, again, I think you have to have a really bad game if you're South Carolina to possibly let the Blue Devils beat you there. Otherwise, NC State is the primary threat here out of this grouping. With that being said, that is going to do it for today's show of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show. What are y'all's thoughts on Shane Beamer and South Carolina's recent success on the recruiting trail? What do you think this is leading to with South Carolina's roster and how they're able to flip certain positions? What are your thoughts on Kevin Kalanji as a potential recruiting option on the offensive line. And lastly, what are your overall thoughts on South Carolina's regional and the teams that are going to be playing in Columbia this upcoming weekend? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you watch today's show on YouTube or shoot me a direct message on Twitter if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. And once again, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Hope you all had a great holiday weekend as we all remember those who have given the ultimate sacrifice for the freedoms that this country provides us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.